You are listening to audio provided by FBC Farwell. To find more resources or to donate to this ministry, please check out fbcfarwell.org. So the title of my sermon is Pastor, Politics, and Faith. And uh, for those of you that know me well, know it's probably going to be all over the place. I know it surprises Greg. Um, but uh, I just wanted to kind of briefly touch on a few things. And uh, it's, it's just uh, it's a crazy time in our world. Um, but thank you all for being here. It's an honor. Um, I've done a lot of weddings. I've done a lot of funerals. And actually, some of my really good friends that are here today, uh, I've done their wedding. Palm Springs, and in this church. Uh, and thank you guys for being here. It means a lot to me. Um, but I grew up in this church. Uh, I know this, this isn't the pulpit that's always been here. This is maybe like a wine rack or something right here. I don't know. <laughs> I've always wondered, like, I don't know where you got that, Russ, but I'm pretty sure that's to hold wine. But uh, anyway... The, the pulpit that was here forever that matches everything else stays back there. And Russ, just, he's just too, uh, just doesn't like that old school pulpit, I guess. So he went with the, the table. But uh, it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited. And um, about a couple months ago, Russ told us that he, he was going to take a t- little time off. And he asked us in a deacon's meeting if, who wanted to preach. <laughs> and we're all just sitting there like, you know. Nobody, nobody volunteered, uh, and I immediately felt God like kind of poking me in the side, and, and then like a couple of weeks later, He texted me, and He said, I really think you should preach while I'm gone. And so, here we are, uh, and I agreed. Uh, so, uh, I'd like to spend a little time on three different talk, uh, topics. Um, First of all, I'd like to spend some time talking about our pastor and how much he pours into this church. Second, I'd like to briefly talk about politics and how we should not put too much faith in political leaders. And lastly, and most importantly, I'd I'd like to talk about faith and how faith is the backbone of of Christianity. Uh, I'm not a great biblical scholar. I didn't go to seminary. I've been in Stan Sunday School class for 45 years. Uh, so I'm close, but uh, uh, Stan has been an awesome man of God to me, and I appreciate it. He, he he's really has been my Sunday school teacher off and on for 45 years. So um, I appreciate you, Stan, as well. Um, but I am excited to share my heart, and I, I'd like for us to try to learn from God's Word at the same time. So we're so blessed to be in this church. I don't think we have any idea. Um, many of us have been going here our entire lives. Um, FBC Farwell has been a blessing in this community for 70 plus years now. And uh, we remain active in sharing God's Word with people of all ages, especially the children um, in this community. And I just think that's so important. And I commend you all that pour your heart and soul into that. Uh, so many of you are up here I, I need to be better about that. But so many of you are up here on Wednesday nights just pouring into these kids. And that's so important. Um, and that's our strongest aspect of this church is our people. We have the best church body around. And with that body comes 
and I truly mean this, one of the best pastors around. So nine and a half years ago, Russ and Kim came in view of a call to us. Now who can even fathom that it's been nine and a half years since Russ and Kim came? That's crazy to me. Um, but it has. They stayed with us that weekend. Um, we just built our house. That's one reason I know that that's, that's, that's right. But um, he was nervous. He had to meet with the deacons. and <laughs> He had been here. Uh, I think he was, he was our, our youth pastor for about three or four years. And then God called him to be the youth pastor in Hamlin. And then uh, we had called him to be the pastor here. Um, so he had to meet. He had, he was familiar with people, but he had to meet with the deacons to do all the things you have to do as as you come in view of a call. And uh, so he studied so hard that weekend, that night. He I remember he was up at four in the morning studying and doing all these. He was just so nervous and preparing so hard for his seven minute speech, his seven minute sermon. And we still joke about it today. Uh, <laughs> seven minutes, and boy has he changed. Seven minutes is uh, that. That's, that's his introduction. Now, that's for you, Russ. Uh, so uh, that day, if it had been seven minutes or 70 minutes or 700 minutes, um, Russ was called to this church. And um, we witnessed the heart of a brand new pastor. This is his first pastorate. He'd been a youth pastor, but he'd never been a senior pastor. And uh, we unanimously voted to ask him to be our, our senior pastor. And uh, it was at that moment I realized how awesome it was going to be to have a man that was truly called to be our pastor and to know how serious and committed he took that calling. You know, our, our church had, had been through a few things and we had had an intentional interim with Brother Dell. And Brother Dell was so good for our church. He, he kind of brought us back to our base and we, do, um, we did um, uh, studies on like our... Our, uh, our own selves, and we did all these different things. Russ, he was here for maybe a year and a half or so, but he really helped us out. And, and Greg and I, a lot of us, have been on, on pulpit committees, or, or, and, and we, we seemed like we were forming a new committee every year for something, you know. And, and so this nine and a half years, guys, it's, it just doesn't happen. The average tenure of a Southern Baptist pastor in a Southern Baptist church is three years. And uh, in other churches, it's way less than that. So, um, Russ takes the responsibility of pastoring this church so serious. And he's always looking for ways or ideas to improve our body here. And when COVID hit this year, um, it was a tough thing. Russ, Russ spent countless hours figuring out how to minister to his people. Um, even while coming down with the coronavirus himself. Uh, it was so much work for him and Logan and Chelsea and Luann. And um, we just never know how, how much work it was. We had deacons meetings every week on Zoom, which I'm so tired of Zoom. I know y'all are too. But, um, you know, we were always trying to figure out what we should do next. And so whether it's technology, YouTube, Facebook, all these different things that we started bringing in, uh, or the parking lot Easter service, which was my highlight. I enjoyed that. That was fun. Um, Russ was constantly striving to bring the Word of God to his people and to minister to his people. Um, 
So just for a second, I'd like for us to think about how Russ has touched each and every one of our lives and how blessed we are to have him as our pastor. Um, I know, and we have a great crowd today for being, uh, for, for knowing the pastor's gone, for one, and knowing that I was going to be here preaching for two. Thank you for being here. Um, and, and I feel like we have a great crowd today, and we have quite a few, few gone, so I commend you for being here. Um, our church attendance had, had been down. Uh, it was down for a while, and we had, it was the strangest thing, guys. We would have service up here, and we would put like cutouts like they're doing in the baseball games now. We had Erica and Ainsley and Carson, and we had different, we had JB, I believe. We had different people, and we would try to put them where they normally sit. And, and so that was just strange in itself. And it's strange singing to the camera, you know, doing, doing that. But, but we got through it. And um, so anyway, I know our attendance has been down. Our attendance in Sunday school has been really down. And, um, you know, I feel like we should, we should uh, try to be there. Russ never seems to complain, but I know it bothers him. And, and he takes our, our low numbers in Sunday school personal. Um, I'm proud to be a member of this church, and there's not a greater church. Uh, and I do believe we handled this mess with COVID as good as we possibly could have. Um, so as we get back to more of a normal, and I think we're all you know, desiring that and craving that, um, I'd like to challenge you all um, to be to make it a priority to get plugged back in. Uh, I know it's, it's easy to get, to get out of the habit, but God has made us creatures that desire fellowship. And I'm asking you to not, to not let COVID suppress your desire to fellowship and be with like-minded Christians. I'm asking you to get back plugged into your Sunday school classes um, and to bring your kids and get them plugged back in as well. I'm asking you not to allow this COVID mess to defeat us. God has a plan for all of us and for this church. And it's my prayer that we will rise up through this, what I truly believe is a satanic pandemic, and become an even greater church than we were before. And I mean that. We've got to just push through and rise up. And we're in the process of doing that. And I, I thank you guys so much for doing that. Um, it is still Pastor Appreciation Month for like nine more days or seven more days or whatever. And, and so don't. Uh, take this time to, uh, you know, write, write our pastors a note. Get, you know, give them a gift card where they can take their spouse out for dinner. Um, send them a text or phone call or just give them a big old hug and tell them thanks. Um, we are blessed with the best, and for that I'm ex extremely, eternally grateful. So enough about Russ. His head's probably all swollen now. And, and, uh, but really, give him, give him a hug and, and tell him how, how much you love him. So I'm going to read Hebrews 10, um, verse 22 through 25. And I'm almost to the point where I've got to have glasses, but Tracy, I can do this today without my glasses. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For <clears throat> where am I? For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. All right. So as I began to pray and think about this message um, and where God would desire for us to go today, um, I came upon this passage in Hebrews. Uh, It says we're commanded to go to the Scriptures and search out what God would have to say to us. And I was immediately just in awe. Um, This passage in Hebrews, it briefly touches on many of the topics I feel God has been working on in my life and are extremely relevant at this truly historic time. So there's no mistaking this year may have been one of the craziest years in history. Um, Coronavirus. Uh, It's an election year, probably the craziest polarizing election we've ever seen. A drought. We haven't had a good rain in forever. Um, Low commodity prices. It's been a very tough year for all of us. We've all know we all know people that we've lost from the virus, and it's just been hard. Um, Everything these days is just so polarizing with the advancement of social media. It seems as if everyone has a platform or is an expert on something. Um, We take in so much information with all these different platforms. Some are great. There's some great podcasts. My wife, sometimes she'll say, you want to listen to this? Yes, honey, I do. That sounds great. There's some great things out there. Um, Some of them are not so great. Uh, And there's a lot of both that we have to try to figure. There's good in everything if we can just figure that out. We can't trust the media about anything, whether it's coronavirus or politics or whatever it is, many of us are struggling to know what's actually true. So, we're nine days from what many people say is the most important election of our lifetimes. And everyone knows where I stand on politics, uh, specifically presidential politics. If you're friends with me on Facebook or on anything, it's it's fairly obvious. Um... But I started to think about our president and why I support him. And I was immediately convicted. Um, I, was, I just thought about it for a while. And, and why do I support our president? And then I was convicted that I hadn't really spent a lot of time in the, in the Word searching out why specifically I support our president. Um, I think his stance on Israel was outstanding. The first thing he did when, when he became president was move the embassy to Jerusalem. And that to me was just like awesome. Like, man, he's, he's going to do, he really is going to do all these things he said he's going to do. He was, he's going to try. And then his strong stance on um, the right to life of the unborn. Um, that's like my number one. I, I just can't, I can't go there. Uh, and. It's, it's crazy that, that this week they opened the Created with the Purpose of West Texas, the Pregnancy Resource Center in Bovina. And, and I know Annie and Chelsea are on that board and so many others, and so many of you all have given to that. The building was donated. It's, it's awesome to see what God has done in one year. Our, the first banquet was exactly one year ago. So in one year, God did this. And, and, and so that my issue with Trump is, is taking that as a stance is, is big. And of course, his, uh, his stance with all many other things, with the police and everything else that he stands for. But I, I really tried to search out what, what God had for me on this. And um, 
I think as Christians, back in the olden days, like in the 90s, maybe, or the 70s or the 50s or whatever, you know, I don't think we talked about politics in church. It was just something that you didn't talk about. And, um, you know, to me that's changed. I just think that it's something that we have to stand up for. And I, I just, um, I don't know why it was that way. It was just, you know, there was Republicans and Democrats and, and you know, hey, that guy might be a Republican or that guy might be a Democrat, so don't bring this up or don't bring that up. But um, I don't know why it was that way, but I just think that's changed. And I think Christians have been bad about either, like, it seems like we're either completely on the let's not even talk about it side or like totally in, fired up, ready to go to, you know, push our topic. And I don't know if that's true or not. That's just how it seems to me. But, so we all live in this kingdom of God, this grand kingdom of God. And it's huge. And in God's kingdom, there's this little tiny little deal over here that's man's kingdom. And all these things of man. Um, uh, I forgot where I'm at. And so, everything that we have is God's. And if we believe this book is true from Genesis, from Genesis to Revelation, that it's inherent word of God, we're God's children. So this is where we get our, um, our, our knowledge. This is where we get our truth, right here. Um, the air we breathe is designed by God. Everything we have, good, bad, and indifferent, is designed by God. So over here in this little bitty tiny part of God's kingdom and man's kingdom, um, we have to set up all these different rules and laws and things that we have to have to function as a society. If we didn't have rules and laws, there's no telling what would happen. Um, I believe that, I think that Jesus cares about our lives. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to prosper. I also believe that Jesus wants our deepest commitment to be to the kingdom of God. And committing to God's kingdom is our most important allegiance. There's nothing political, nothing else matters. We have to commit to God first. Um, it's more important that our commitment to our families or our friends or our jobs. Um, Romans 13, 1 through 7, it kind of talks about submitting to government. It's the biblical. Um, not this verse. That's later on. I didn't have. I didn't put this one in there, Logan. But um, it's just the biblical uh, kind of instruction on government authority, and that authority has been established under God's leadership and design. Most of us believe we should live at peace with the government, as long as they allow us to live by religious convictions. So that's the First Amendment right, right? Uh, and it seems like those rights uh, are under attack. The last six or eight months with this coronavirus. Uh, I feel like our rights have been under attack. Um, anyway, we can, that, we can get off on that topic, and uh, I could talk for forever on that, but we're going to get back to presidential politics. So, Erica Grace, my daughter, sends me a copy of this sermon from her church in Lubbock. And in her text, she says, I don't know, Dad, but I think you might be convicted on this sermon. You may not want to hear it. I'm like, uh-oh, what's, what's she trying to say? Uh, so as I dive into that sermon, 
the pastor there in her church in Lubbock said something like this, if you have lobbed 15 posts onto your Facebook feed but haven't said one thing about Jesus and about how much he loves us and cares about us, you might have a problem. And I'm like, I'm guilty right then. I knew I was guilty. So thank you for convicting me of that, Erica. Um, uh, it hit home to me. And, and when we're more, more sure in our political ideology than we are about the Bible or Jesus, then we're in a, we're in a bad spot. Um, at the end of the day, we can't place our hope in a candidate or a political party. We have to put our hope in Jesus. Now, I don't think it's wrong to get involved in politics. In fact, I don't think it's ever been more important. Um, one of my good friends back there, Aaron DeHaan, is, he's, he's pushing for the, the, the weatherman, the Republican weatherman in Albuquerque. And he is pushing him hard. And I'm proud of you for doing that. Um, so it's not wrong to get involved in politics. Um, I'm praying hard for our president. I really am. I think all of us are. If, if we're not, we're, we, we've got to reassess our lives. Um, to me, it's never been more evident on who we should support as a candidate. Should we win? Um, we should show people that may not have our same beliefs, or more importantly, that are non-Christians, that God is still alive and relevant. And that's my prayer. I pray that they say, man, these Christians, they have something. And I pray that they, that they search out for that if, if Trump was to win. If we lose, I'm not saying we're going to lose, but it's my prayer that if we go through a time of cleansing and that we would reevaluate our lives and we put God back in the forefront and truly search out His desires for ourselves and for our country. Politics is, a, is an extremely important, but it's a terrible place to, uh, to place your faith and hope. It's a terrible Savior. And only that's Jesus. We know that. So there's my political rant. And pray. It's not nine days until the election. And I, I, I truly think as Christians we have, a, we have a responsibility to pray for our election. Both federal and state, everything. Um, the last thing I'd like to talk about is faith. And um, <clears throat> How my faith has been tested so much, excuse me, over the last year. Um, I feel like my faith has been tested a lot, but I feel like I've never been stronger in my faith. Um, so many of you know that my dad had a terrible stroke. And um, it was exactly one year ago today, last night. And so, that's one reason I'm here today. <clears throat> he had a routine angiogram. Everything went great. He uh, came home the next day, was doing great. And he had a little thing on his leg where they went in and, and did the, uh, the angiogram. And my mom called me. She said, hey, can you come look at your dad? And so, I looked at it, and it, it looked kind of weird. So, I said, well, let me just run you back to Lubbock. And it was one of those, it was when the electricity was out, we had snow, and I drove like 80 to Lubbock through the snow, which most of you know that I enjoyed that. But uh, anyway, um, 
As we're sitting there in the, in the waiting room, he started to slur. And I could tell something was bad wrong. And we were in the heart hospital in the waiting room. We couldn't have been in a better place. And they immediately took him back and started working on him. And uh, it was gut-wrenching. I felt helpless. But right then, from the very beginning, I turned to God. And I knew God was in control. And I knew that He was going to remain faithful through this, regardless about what was about to happen. It was a God thing that, my, that he had. This, this had nothing to do with a stroke on his leg. It was just a weird-looking thing that my mom was worried about. But God knew that we needed to be in Lubbock quickly. If that would have happened in Farwell, it, I, I can assure you it would not have been good. We were in the heart of the hospital when it happened. So that was a God thing in the beginning. So as they began rushing around working on him, I began to pray. And I called Annie. And I called Tracy. And... And then I immediately thought, I have to let everybody else know. I have to let this church know. Start lifting up my dad in prayer. So many of you in this room were notified. And man, guys, it was awesome. Um, we felt the prayers so much. Um, as we got to Covenant and met with the neurosurgeon, it became blatantly obvious that this was extremely serious and was a life or death situation. Uh, the next few days were rough. He was in ICU 21 days. Um, but I can honestly say I had a peace that God would provide good Christian doctors and nurses and that granted Mark would pull through this. When they went in, to, uh, they had to open his head up to, to relieve the pressure. Um, this doctor, he looked 12. He was a neurosurgeon. He walked in said, hey, I'm... Dr. Manis, I'm a neurosurgeon. I'm going to you know, operate on your dad. I'm like, you look 12. And he really did. But uh, before he went into surgery, eight or 10 or 12 of us gathered around with our doctor and we prayed for my dad. And, and that's the kind of country that we live in. That's a powerful, powerful thing. When your doctor will come in with you and join hands and pray for your dad who's about to go in for brain surgery. So, um, I felt good about it. I really did, as good as I possibly could. But anyway, over the next few weeks and months, um, I can't tell you, and so many of you were there, came to the hospital, um, how much the visits and the texts and the calls meant. And to me, that right there is why this church and this community are so awesome. I mean, there would be times there would be 20 or 30 people in that waiting room waiting to see my dad or just to, to give us encouragement. And so from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to thank you about that, for that. Um, Romans 5, verses 1 through 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into His grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out His love 
into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. So, back in the biblical times when this was written, written, I think suffering was the rule rather than the exception. The Bible talks about suffering and there was tons of hard times, of course, through the Bible. But here Paul lays it out for us. He says here in Romans that in the future we will become, but until then we must overcome. And I thought that was a pretty powerful statement. God tells us that we will experience difficulties and that these difficulties will help us grow stronger as Christians. This applies to all of us. We've all gone through things. We've all gone through strokes, uh, whatever. And so it's not just me. It's all of us. We've all dealt with so many different things. Um, we've all been through trials in our lives. And as we continue to grow older, I think they'll get more prevalent and they'll continue. The Bible is very clear on that. Um, but we're, we're to rejoice in suffering, not because we like it, not because we like pain or deny its tragedy, but because we know God is using a bad situation to build our character. It says it right there. We're going to suffer. And through that, God's going to give us perseverance and character and hope. Um, and, and He's going to deepen our trust in, him, in God. And He's going to give us a greater confidence about the future. And I think as we grow older, we start understanding that. I think when we're younger, we're so sad when, when, when there's a death or whatever. But as we get older, we realize that person is in heaven. And, and we've had so many great men and women in this church that, that you know, you're sad when, we, when, when they've died. But man, what, what they're getting to experience now, it's just amazing. Um, so, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 is the love chapter. I, a lot of weddings, I use that, that verse. But faith, hope, and love. So faith is the backbone to Christianity, right? So when we're little kids, someone tells us that there was this guy that comes down on the earth, that, that God sent down on the earth for 30-something years, and he was crucified and died for our sins, and he rose three days later. And so you're like, really? You know, so that's the, that's the backbone of Christianity. That's where it all starts. We have to believe that to go on at all. That's, that's the first thing we have to believe. And then um, we have hope. We, as we learn all about God and all the different ways He has shown us all His many promises, we have hope that one day we will be with Him rejoicing in heaven. And that's one of the things that Stan has, has stressed to, a, to all of us over the years. Um, he's so good about that. And to look forward to heaven and to work hard here. We don't do it for good works. We do it for what we're going to receive later on once we're in heaven. And, uh, and then lastly, we have love. And it's love that fills our lives and gives us the desire to go out and share God with others and minister to them. And so that's really what, what God wants. He wants us to, to first, have, first have faith, understand why, why everything is the way it is, and then we have hope and assurance that everything that He says is true. And then we're supposed to love. Love each other. Love and go out and, and spread that love with everyone. Um, 
I'm not saying we should go out looking for problems or that you have, have a life-threatening situation with yourself or a family member or whatever to be able to grow as a Christian. What I'm saying is we must use a situation like my dad's stroke to grow in our faith. And we must use a bad situation for the good of God's kingdom. My dad continues to improve. He really does. And, and I thank God for allowing us to be able to spend more time with him. I couldn't talk about my dad's recovery without mentioning my mom and my brother Reagan. Man, they've, what they've done with him has been amazing. It hasn't always been easy, trust me. But they've gone above and beyond caring for my dad. And for that, I'll be eternally grateful. And I think I've learned more from my dad over the last year than I had the previous 44. He's a tough sucker. And he has that desire to get better. And that same desire that he has to want to get better, he truly does. We should have that same desire to grow in our faith, in our knowledge, in everything that we have. Um, so I would like to challenge you all to strive to grow in your faith. I would like to challenge you all to search out all of God's many promises and hope that He gives us about spending an eternity with Him in heaven. I would like to challenge each and every one of you to seek out God's love for you and in turn search out others and show them that same love that God has shown us. In these tumultuous times, we only have one hope. And it's not in our pastor, as awesome as he is. And it's not in our president, as crazy as he is. And it's not even in, in my dad, who, who I love and who has taught me so much in this year. Our only hope is in Jesus. Do you know him? Thank you for joining us for worship at FBC Farwell. If you made a decision for Christ, please let us know by contacting Pastor Russ at russ at fbcfarwell.org. We would love to connect with you and walk alongside you in your faith journey. We have some great resources to send you that will help you grow in your faith. As we close, I want to say thank you for listening today. If God leads you to give to the ministry of FBC Farwell, you can text FBC Farwell to the number 77977. Thank you for your generosity.